You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. Who came ready to take notes? John chapter 4. These services are you going to get out what you put in. And me and Jordan were praying this week, or the, the, today, for an hour, just for you, just for you when you come in. Nothing else, just for the service. It says here in John chapter 4, verse number 23, but the hour cometh, and now is. Someone say now is. Someone say we're not waiting for it. It's here. Jesus, in this passage, is introducing a new period of time. He's telling the people who he's talking to, who is the Jews. He's not talking to Gentiles right here. He's talking to Jewish people. And actually, he's talking to a Samaritan woman in reference to Jewish laws and Jewish customs in regards to how the Jews keep the law and how the Samaritans are supposed to keep the law in regards to worshiping. What temple should I worship on? The question was, Jesus, am I supposed to go where the Jews worship? Or am I supposed to go to Mount Gerizim where they say the Gentiles are supposed to worship? And so the woman is concerned about where am I supposed to worship? I mean, where am I supposed to worship? Am I supposed to go to this church? Or am I supposed to go to that church? And really what she's saying is, where can I go to meet God? Yeah. Yeah. Because every person has a desire in their heart to meet God. I don't believe people when they say that there's no God. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Well, you believe in God at some point. You just made a decision not to believe in God. And the reason why atheists go out, and I've debated with them before, is because they're not convinced in their own heart. You know, when people try to win arguments a lot of times, they get into these unfruitful quarrels. It's not trying to prove to the other person that they're wrong. It's trying to prove to themselves that they're right. Because they're not convinced themselves. So they say, you know what, this person, they disagree with me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get into an argument with them. And if I can beat them in the argument, then I'm more right than they're right. And that must make me right. And therefore, I'm convinced that I'm right. And there I go. I can prove my own argument. So I must be right. You ever see people doing this? If you don't, just go on Facebook one time. You'll see it happening all day long. Jesus says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers. So you mean if there's true worshipers, you know what that means? There could be people that are false worshipers. Yeah, that's right. If somebody's true, look at me. If somebody's true and worshiping God true, that means that some person's worshiping God the right way, and there are people that are worshiping God the wrong way. Amen. Some people have this idea. I'm just going to go to God's house. I'm going to do my good deed for the week. And I'm going to put my quarter in the offering plate. When you make $100,000 a year, you put a quarter in the offering plate. And see, God, I, I just did what you told me to do, right? And you say, they say, well, I was worshiping God. You say, really? Were they worshiping God? So I want to talk to you tonight about the right way to worship God. Amen. Some look and say, how can I worship God the right way? <laughs> if you're taking notes, you can write this statement down. When you have a heart that fears God, when you have a heart that fears God, you will want to worship God the right way. People that are not concerned about how to worship God the right way, that means there is an issue with the person's heart. And Jesus answered this woman because when the woman came to him, she saw he was a prophet and a man of God. She didn't ask that prophet for money. She didn't ask that prophet to pay her bills. She didn't ask that prophet to give her a word. She asked that prophet, how can I 
best worship God. And when you have a disposition in your life that you want to know how to worship God, are you here, church? God's going to answer and give you the right way to worship Him. I say to God all the time, God, look at my heart. I want to know if I'm worshiping you the right way because I care about you, God. You saved me. You healed me. I want to know you more. I know that through this process of worship, I'm going to encounter God and encounter God's presence. But how can I best perfect my worship? How can I best perfect what God is doing? And how can I best encounter Him? Write this down if you're taking notes. Come on, we're going for it tonight, man. I'm going to go fast and I'm going to go furious. I like to see happy faces. When I see people come in, you know, you don't think that I see your faces in the service. They say, that person was here this week, that person wasn't here this week. When I see your faces, I see some people that come to service and they're like this. They're ready to receive and there's a glow on their face. You know what I also see? I see some people, they're sitting there, they're like this. Looking around like you had a petting zoo and you stepped in something. Amen. <laughs> and I say, well, maybe they had a bad day. And then next week they come in. <sighs> Looking like they just can't wait for me to give the bathroom break, right? Everyone going to I know it's kind of crowded in here. We got stuck with this room. Okay, next week we have both rooms. So let's give God some praise. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> we never know what the attention is going to be, so whatever. But I like to see people that come in and there's a glow on their face. I like to see when people come in and they're excited. Tell me something more, Brother Palmer. Tell me something more, Brother Palmer. Tell me something more. Give me, put something inside my hands so when I go home and I get in my prayer closet, I can start to work it out and start to implement this thing because you think God is going to change your life. You know how God changed your life? He gives you a word, puts it in your hands and say, now do something with it. You get God's word, you put it in your hands, you say, the pastor tells me if I go home and I start worshiping God the way he says to worship him, I go into my prayer closet, my house is an area of depression. You know, you go on your house and just depressed because everything you look at makes you depressed. I got nothing in the refrigerator. I got nothing, you know, but every time I look at these clothes, I get depressed because I've had them for 10 years. You, you go and you see your car, you don't have it, it's broken down. You got no gas, so now I got to go fill it up. I got to put it on credit. Then you look at your credit cards, you can't pay your credit card bill. But the preacher said, if you worship God the right way, things will start changing in your house. You say, but God, aren't you supposed to turn situations around? He says, why don't you start worshiping me? When you worship me, my presence will come. When my presence will come, then my spirit will be there. And things in your life are going to start turning around. Am I just up here waving my arms around like a fool? You know what I'm saying tonight? But some people say, oh, he told me to worship. I don't believe all that. All those happy people, they're just happy because they have things. Why do we have things? Because we worship God. So get happy tonight. Amen. I said before, this is a live house. Come on, this is a live house. All right. So he said there's a right way to worship God. He says when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. Someone say, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So in this class period, I'm going to talk about the role of praise and worship in your life. How to praise God the right way. Have you ever gone to a church? I'm not here to criticize churches, but I'm here to make a point. Have you gone somewhere before? You walk in. You say, this place has money. 
This place has talent. This place has ability. But there's something missing from this place. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. They get up on their guitar. Guys playing it like you play in a rock band. Get over on the drums. Playing it like they were in a rock band. Guy gets up singing like he's in a rap band, right? And it's all flowing the right way. But something is missing because there's no testimony in your spirit. Because you know, because you've been a believer for a long time, you've been saved for a while, that when the presence of God comes, there's something inside of you that gets stirred up. That thing inside of you is like a washing machine. It starts tumbling, you know? I put my washing machine on tumble dry this week, and all of a sudden it just zoom, zoom, zoom. You start hearing the coins and they're all hitting around. What's going on? You're stirring that thing up. You're stirring it up like a washing machine. You get in the right place. You get the presence of God. You get somebody that's doing the right worship. Guess what starts happening inside of you? That thing starts getting turned up. That thing starts stirring, right? But you go someplace and they have everything that looks like they need, but nothing stirred up. It's like when you go and I never knew how to use the washing machine. I didn't know you had to pull the lever out to make it go, right? Put your clothes in there. You, you know, I. What now? What is this supposed to go? No, I don't. My mom would say you have to pull the thing. You pull the knot. You go to some services. It's like you go to pull the knot, but you don't know how to pull it. No one's pulled the knot yet, right? So, why is that? Why is that? Why is it that you? They have everything, but there's no presence. Write this down if you're taking notes. Praise and worship. Praise and worship, particularly worship tonight, had a very strong presence in the early church. Praise and worship had a very strong presence in the early church. When you read the New Testament letters, you'll discover that Paul was more than just a mind, and the Apostle Paul was more than just a theologian. The Apostle Paul was a prayer, and the Apostle Paul was a worshiper. He practiced worship in his daily lives. And there was something that the Apostle Paul said very specifically about the area of worship. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3 and I'll show you today. Someone say Philippians chapter 3. Because worship is so important. Philippians chapter 3 and... Verse number three. Now I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation because I like this translation better. This is what it says. If you have it in the King James, you're welcome to follow along. It says, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ has done for us and we put no confidence. Someone say, No confidence. No confidence. We put no strength. Someone say, no strength. No strength. We put no f- emphasis. No say, no emphasis. No emphasis. On human effort. So say this. We, we as the body of Christ, as body of Christ worship, worship only, only by the Spirit. What we don't put emphasis on, put emphasis on is human flesh. This verse here says that we are the ones that are truly circumcised. When you understand what circumcision was, you'll find out that the Jews believed in the Old Testament that in order to access God, 
that what you had to do was go through the rite of circumcision. Because by circumcision, this was your ceremonial cleansing, and this was your right into the presence of God. What the Apostle Paul was making a case for is that circumcision is not a matter of the flesh. Circumcision is a matter of the heart. And he's saying that when you accept Jesus into your life, everything goes from trying to access God by works of the flesh, ceremonial rites, to accessing God by your heart. So what he's saying right here is that there is going to be a major problem in the community of Philippi as well as any other church that comes together when people think that their way and their entry point into the kingdom of God is your talent and your ability and whatever strength that you have to access God. There's only one way to access God's presence and that is through the condition of your heart. So when you go into a place and you can't feel the presence of God, you guys are looking at me like a cow looks at a new gate like Brother Hayden said, you're looking at me funny today. Is there something, is, you don't like my outfit? I know the checks don't really match this, but I like this, so I wore it anyway. I know Devin was trying to hold that back from saying that when I walked in. <laughs> so write this down if you think you know. When it comes to worship, when it comes to worship, New Testament worship, the right way, is done by the assistance and the help of the Holy Spirit. New Testament worship is done by the assistance and the help of the Holy Spirit. That means for there to be an effect of worship, for there to be a, uh, for you to encounter God's presence in worship, it has to be the Holy Spirit that is driving that worship, that gets behind it, and is causing that worship to happen. When you start feeling the stirring inside of your heart, you say, what's going on in here? And the musicians start lining up with the singer, then the singer starts lining up with the band, and all of a sudden, God's presence starts getting stirred in your heart. What is going on? The Holy Spirit, are you here? Has taken over and is moving that service forward. That just doesn't happen sometimes when you're uh, in service. That happens in your home. You go into prayer. You feel dry as a bone, but you start worshiping God. In the first 40 minutes, it's you trying to make something happen. You can run around. You can punch holes in the wall. You can swing from the fan. You can turn the shower on and get in the shower. You can get in your car. And if you're doing all this and nothing happens, it's because you are trying to make something happen. And many times you get frustrated because we go pray. And you leave the prayer closet and you say, my prayer hasn't changed anything. Because you didn't wait for the point where the spirit takes over. You sold yourself short. And because of that, there's no change. Oh God, I just take your laundry list of things and say, God, I pray for this, I pray for that, I pray for my life, it's so miserable, my life. But God says, come to me and worship me. When you feel that super shift take place, it's like putting the car from first. You know, first is the toughest gear, from first to second is tough. When you feel it go from first to second, now the Holy Spirit is in operation. Amen. If you will worship God in your home, if you will do it by the Spirit, you say to your husband, we're not going to death until we feel the presence of God coming. 
you imagine that commitment? You can't get along in your marriage. You guys are fighting. You're mad and angry at each other. But you say, you know what? I don't have the answer. Most problems in counseling are heart issues with couples. Most couples get married with baggage. And I didn't say past. Everybody has a past. I said baggage. Baggage is your past that has not been dealt with by the spirit. You said, I have a past. Did you deal with it? No. Well, then now you have baggage. And that baggage is my baggage because two become one and I'm carrying your baggage. You say, how am I supposed to deal with my baggage? You deal with it in the presence of God. Well, the counselor can't fix it. The counselor, I think, you know, I go to the counselor. He tells me to do this. But you cannot fix the baggage because the baggage is a heart issue. And the only thing that can change a person's heart is the Spirit of God. The only thing that can get under the hood and find out why the machine will not work, what wire is snapped, what, what gasket is blown, what's missing oil, that is the Holy Spirit. Am I up here working hard? Are you here tonight? It doesn't matter if you have a past. You find someone that you like, you say, did you deal with your past? Yes, I did. How do you know? Because you can always tell when somebody has dealt with their past when they know how to worship God. So write this down. These are things that worship is based on. After the flesh, number one, look what it says here. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Well, let me back up a little bit here. Though I have, might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust the flesh. I have more reason to trust the flesh. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, I was blameless. He was saying this, when I was in my past life, before I had received circumcision of the heart, before my heart, I won't get into all the metaphorical examples of what circumcision of the heart is, it's just heart transformation. Before my heart was transformed into becoming what God wants it to become, I thought that I would access God because I was born and circumcised the eighth day. And you think about flesh circumcision on the eighth day. No baby has a decision in that. No baby can say, don't circumcise me. It's snip and you're done. No baby says, don't stop, don't do that, don't. No, you're circumcised. So that is basically, watch this, inheriting God's presence from your family. And it cannot happen. Many people today say, well, you know, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I'm a Christian. I'm, I know God because why? Because my grandpa, my grandma was a Christian. My grandpa was a Christian. I went to Catholic church and did the catechism when I was 16 years old. And I said, well, you know, my mom prays. She has a, my, you know what? My mom has a Bible at her house. That's right. My mom has a Bible at her house. <laughs> And when I need prayer, I just love hearing my mom read me the Bible. That's not going to get you anywhere in the presence of God. That's trusting in the confidence of the flesh. So a lot of people rely on accessing God through their parents accessing God. And then there's another thing that is in the church that is not going 
unless this comes down, we're not having revival, and that is racial supremacy. Where it says, race denomination of the stock of Israel and of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. This is Paul saying, you know what? In order to access God and be close to Him, it comes by race or superiority. I was born this, you know, into a Jew. I have a closer relationship to God because I was a Jew. Or someone says, well, you know, I, uh, I was born in Rome. That's where the Catholic Church is. That's, that's how I'm going to access God. Are you guys here tonight? Yes. Yes. And this is not going to get you closer to the presence of God. It has nothing to do with what your skin color looks like. It has nothing to do about any of that stuff. Or where your tribe is or what state you're born in. Amen? Amen. And then he says this. I'll skip one to number four. Concerning zeal persecuting the church. And he also says, touching the law of Pharisee. This is people's zealousness to do the work of God. Write this down if you take a note. You cannot access the presence of God by doing the work of the ministry. So many times, so many times, people believe that because I play in the worship band, or because, you know, I'm going to usher up my church. Or, you know, because I give, you know, to the ministry. Or because I go and I help out at conferences. And I can access the presence of God. But you'll see in just a second that zealousness does not get you closer to God's presence. Well, I work miracles. It's not going to get you closer to God's presence. Well, you know, I, uh, brother, you don't understand. I've been serving at my church for 15 years. I've been singing the choir. Not for the owl. Going to get you closer to God's presence. This is trusting in the arm of the flesh. Am I here tonight, church? Amen. That's right. Amen. And then he says, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. Blameless. Paul was saying the righteousness of the law is the Ten Commandments. How do you say, you know? Uh, you talk to people at Starbucks or whatever, you have this conversation, they say, well, I'm, I'm a good Christian because I keep the Ten Commandments. Most of them don't keep the Fourth Commandment, which is keeping the Sabbath holy because Sabbath is Saturday. That was given to the Jews. They don't do that. They don't keep the Ten Commandments. And Paul says, he who breaks one is guilty of them all. Yeah, right. So if you're not keeping Sabbath holy, you're walking a mile on Saturday, guess what? You're a lawbreaker. <laughs> so what he's saying is that when they were Jews under the law, this is not going to get them closer to the presence of God. The only thing that is going to get you into God's presence, where there can be change, where there can be transformation, where you can experience God the way that He desired and want to experience God, is when you have the right heart. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So go with me to Genesis chapter 4. Let me show you something. Someone say heart. Someone say, worship comes from the heart. See, we think God is paying attention to all these things. He's got a ticker up in heaven, seeing how many times you go to church. That he has a ticker up in heaven, seeing how many times you dropped off in the offering plate. This is a story from creation when it talks about worship for the first time. Someone say, worship. Okay, Genesis chapter 4. Are you enjoying this tonight? Yes. Someone say, my heart, my heart has to be upright, has to be upright before, God. before God. And Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. Someone say Cain. Cain. Someone say boo. Boo, boo Cain. Yeah, boo. He'll boo him down. He's a bad guy. <laughs> okay. 
and she bare his brother Abel. Someone say Abel. Abel. Someone say yay. yay. All right, there we go. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And we know the story. It says, in the process of time, it came to pass. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. He was a tiller of the ground. Here he is in his field. He's working the ground. You know, he's got tomatoes and he has what else? He got carrots. Well, yeah, don't come from the ground. They're growing a tree, right? He's got something. I don't know. I'm not. A, he's got something in there. Vegetables. And so he says, I have all this stuff. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make an offering to God. This is not an offering for sin. Many times we think that sin is being dealt with right here. This says nothing about sin. This is not a sin offering. As a matter of fact, sin offerings did not happen until under the law of Moses. These people don't know anything about making sacrifices for the remission of sins. It wasn't a command yet. This is just about making an offering to God of worship. And Abel also brought of the first things of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not. And God and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So look what you have here going on in the story. You have one guy in the field, gets his crops, and says, you know what? I'm going to make an offering unto God. Takes the first fruits, the very best of his crop. What's the best character? Look to the best character. This is the best character. What's the best tomato? This is the best tomato. He said, what's the best corn? This is the best corn. What's the best wheat? This is the best heads of wheat. Put it on the basket. I'm going to take it before God. However, they made those sacrifices back then. And then you have Abel. And Abel says, well, you know, I don't, I don't deal with produce. He says, but I do deal with, you know, the flocks and different animals. So he finds an ox, kills it. Finds a sheep, kills it, and says, this is the very best sheep. This is the very best ox. I'm going to offer it to God. Takes it before God, and God looks and says, Hmm, Abel, your sacrifice pleases me. Okay? I'm sorry. I cannot accept your sacrifice. What is it about this? Many times people go to say, Well, you know, you know that uh, Abel made a sacrifice of animals and there was blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. This is not about sin. This is simply about going before God to worship Him. And then, watch this, you will read just a few chapters later that when Cain saw that his sacrifice, are you here today, was not acceptable unto God, he turned on Abel and he slew his brother. The problem is, God was not rejecting the fruits and the vegetables and accepting the calf and the sheep. What God was doing was accepting Abel's heart towards him and rejecting what was in Cain's heart because he knew ahead of time there was jealousy inside of the heart of Cain towards his brother. How many times do people go to church and they say, God, I give money in the offering plate. God, I want to just go and serve in the choir. But in their heart, there's jealousy towards people. Sometimes you say, I'm going to lift my hands to God, and you're raising your hands, and, but you can't feel the presence of God. And you lift your hands, and you can't feel the presence of God. You're not experiencing the presence of God. What is the problem? The problem is God is seeing into your heart. Yes. 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 Mm. 
God is not paying attention to your hands. He first pays attention to your heart. He's not paying attention to your hands. He is paying attention to what is going on in your inner man. And this is where worship begins. Abel's worship didn't begin when he killed the cat. Abel's worship didn't begin when he brought the ghost. Abel's worship began when his heart says, I want to give glory to God. From out of your heart proceeds your worship. You mean that if I go through the motions and my heart's not with it, it doesn't count? Precisely. God is looking at your heart. I want my heart to be right before God. Anytime before I go to God in prayer, anytime before I go to God in worship, as in my bedroom today, I lifted up my hands to worship God. I said to God, Lord, look into my heart. Let my heart be right with you. Because I know that worship does not begin when I just start singing to God. Life is in your worship. And that life is proceeding from Him. So the first failure and the first murder that happened in mankind came from a rebellious heart toward God. Are you here tonight? Amen. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. is the last chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thus saith the Lord in verse number one. The heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you're going to build me? And where is the place? of my rest. So God is responding to his people because what most scholars will tell you is that Isaiah, this chapter, is written in response to a people that are in Babylonian exile that desire to build God a house that has been destroyed. God's house has been destroyed. The Temple of Solomon, you know, we talked about the Temple of Solomon last week, right? We said that the presence of God came in. That was the return of the precious Holy Spirit. And that house ended up becoming destroyed. So while the people during Ezra's day and Nehemiah's day wanted to get the presence of God back into the church, or back into Israel, they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rebuild God a house. And God looked at his people and said, do you not realize, do you not understand, that my, the heavens is my footstool and my resting place is the galaxy. What makes you think that I'm impressed by the fact that you want to take some stones and start building me a house? Who can build me a house? After all, I am the almighty great God. Where am I going to dwell? In this house? So it's a sobering thought for the people because here they were thinking that their works of the flesh, are you here tonight, church? Are going to build God a house. And this is what God says. For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been made, said the Lord. 
But to this man will I look. To this man will I look. You mean that people can build the marvelous houses and you won't look that way? It's like, you mean people can make sacrifices and God's not going to look at you? Exactly. You mean there can be churches that have talent and ability, but God is not going to look at those churches? Exactly. And you know what would happen? If they built God the house, people from all over would flock into the house. There's a principle. Just because it is growing and just because there are lots of people does not necessarily mean that it's because of God's presence. Just because there is enlargement doesn't mean that God has a hand in doing it. Because what's carnal will attack carnal people. What's spiritual will attack spiritual people. You're just going to get either way. And God says, what am I going to look to? This is something that you want to underline because when I see this, I say, God, I want you to look to me. Look to me, God. And this is what God says. I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembling at my word. Do you know what this is talking about? The presence of God is taking off like this time. The presence of God. God's presence is attractive to people who fear Him. When the presence of God is not in home, when God's presence is not in the church, it's because the people have stopped fearing God. You say, what do you mean by the fear of God? The fear of God is the Oh God, can you send me to hell? Oh God, can you send me to hell? Oh God, can you send me to hell? What am I going to do? I just hope I don't step my line and God's going to take that whip and lash my back. That's not what the fear of God is. The fear of God is respect and reverence and honor. Even my dad would come home. We knew that he was the one that provided for We knew he was the one that ran the ship. We knew he was the one that gave me life. And I was a kid and my dad came home. Yes, sir. No, sir. In the garage. Yes, sir. Do this. Why? Because I respected my father. And when people don't respect God, God says, I can't even look at those people because there is no reverence for me. You know when people have been truly born again and truly been saved in their life, you know what will come on their life? And when we're talking about this, there will be fruit you've been born again. Yes. We talk about this in class the night. People say they've been born again, but they haven't been born again. And it's not up to me to say this person's saved and this person's not saved. I don't get into that. It's not me to make a judgment. But I do know what Jesus said. In a person's life, they had touched them all. Come on up here. It's my good friend from Indiana. Come on up. You guys made it. God bless you. Come on up here. Take a seat right here. We're going to start the sermon all over for you guys. I'm just kidding. Come on. It's a man of God. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Come on up in here. What I'm saying is that when there's no fear of God, there's no presence of God. And so when people say, well, you know, I've been born again. I've been born again. I, I, I've been born again. But they do not fear God. That means they have no respect for God. And when that person has no respect for God, a person that does not respect God is a person that does not honor God's word. How do you know that someone doesn't fear God? Because they learn the commands of God. They learn the laws of God. Someone has taught them the word of God. And guess what? They don't care about what God has to say. You say, but, 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 
do not know what the Bible says. The Bible says if you uh, if you fornicate, you're sinning. The Bible says if you don't give tithes, you're going to be broke. And the person says, I don't care. They won't tell you they don't care. But you know what they do? They don't do it. They say, but why can't this? Why don't, why, why don't they do this? You know why? They don't fear God. And you know why? They have a problem with their heart. And what the Bible calls that person? A fool. And you know what? No fool will ever experience the presence of God. People walk around the earth with money, finances. And I found something today. The rich man and the poor man look the same in the grave. doesn't consider his life why he has it and what happens after it does what they want when they want it and they pay the consequences and you know what the bible says they get back what they do again why would someone do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again it's not that they have a head problem they have a heart problem Because the heart is wrong, this was Cain. Man of God. Jealous of his brother. Maybe he gave the first offering to God because he wanted to be able to it. And God says, you're just trying to compete with your brother. And you're not trying to offer it out of a pure heart. So write this down if you're taking notes. In order for worship to be effective, it has to come from a pure cleanse. Many people will stand before the Lord and say, I didn't tell you to do that. You were doing that because you're trying to prove yourself on the I should honor you. Yeah. You find a poor man on the street who's got nothing. Like the widow's mites. But you have nothing. Just two mites that came in and put in the offering. And God says, that woman's offering is acceptable. People say it's because of the percentage. It's not because of the percentage. It's because of the heart. You have a thankful heart. Amen. And so God says to them in Isaiah chapter 66, I will look to him that is poor and of a contrite heart, and he who trembleth when I speak. That doesn't mean they speak. It means that when God speaks, they'll obey. Amen. Now look what it says here. In verse number three, he's talking about the people. We have seats up front. Bring them up front. We have seats up front. Number three. He that killeth an ox is as he that slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb is though he that cuts off a dog's neck. He that offers an oblation or a portion as if he that offered swine's blood. He that burns incense as if he that blessed an idol. Yeah, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delighted in their own abominations. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Am I, are you here tonight because people walk? He's saying the people that are building the house of God. In an apparent effort to do something for the kingdom of God, God says, go ahead and build me the house. Build it. Go ahead. Take the bricks, take the stone. See what's going to happen. But when someone steps in there and they make a sacrifice to me with the wrong heart, I will look at the man 
that sacrifices an ox. The same as I look at a heathen that breaks a dog's neck. <laughs> he says, the person that goes up and says, you know what I want to do? I want to make God a sacrifice and I'm going to offer an oblation. He says, it will be counted as those persons that drink swine's blood. And he goes on and on. What do you mean? You know what he's saying? He's saying that this is the correlation right here. People that make sacrifices to God with a wrong spirit are as vain as the action of the ungodly. There's no difference between people that are operating out of the wrong heart and the person that is unbelievable. So this brings us to the next point of the message and this is so great because I'm going to tell you God wants people to carry his glory. But a person who truly carries God's glory has to be a person who never tries to tamper with God's glory. A person that carries the glory of God is a person that never tries to steal the glory of God for themselves. I want to carry your glory, God, but I never will touch it because that glory belongs to you. How many people do you see wanting to glory in yourself? Why don't you say, look at me. We're going to have the Academy Awards in March. We're going to have the SPs. We're going to have the Grammys. We got the Oscars. And you know what's happening to people that are Christians? All they want is the next Dove nomination. All they want is the New York Times to say how good their album is. All they want to do is tell everybody that they sold 10 million albums. And God is saying, take your glory. I cannot do nothing. Because the only thing I care about are people that have an upright heart. And while the whole world looks at you and looks at what you built, I have turned my face because I cannot look at your false glory because it cannot compare to my glory. I want God's in my life. I don't care. The more I worship God, the more I get in his presence, I find out that when he looks on me, that when my God, my Savior, my Lord, my Jesus looks on me just one time, it is way better than if 10 million people were to like my Facebook page and look on me and say, look at this man. All I want is my God to look on me and say, I see you. When nobody else sees you, my eyes have turned to you. Everybody can have their glory. I want his glory. You say, but God, look what I did. Look at what I did. I did this work for you. Not everybody saw me, guys. And guess what? I have rejected you. You don't talk about this stuff today in churches. Every day is a Friday and God's going to make you victorious. How about this? How about God is rejecting people left and right because of the pride of their own hearts? You shouldn't preach that. That's not New Testament stuff. I would rather tell you here than when you get to heaven and God said you received your reward in full. It's not about what you do. It's about your before God. Am I here tonight? Worship.
for taking notes tonight comes from a pure heart as I've said before now we're going to shift into the next part you feel God's presence I want God the most fulfilling thing in the world is not to think when everyone looks at you why is it that a guy like Robin Williams looks so funny never had an enemy in Hollywood everybody loved that man he made so many people laugh Millions of people would come to his comedy shows. Millions of people would say, there's no greater feeling than making someone laugh. You're in a crowd, you tell a joke, everyone laughs, that makes you feel good. He made the world laugh. But you know what? When all those millions of eyes were on him, what was the eyes of his God? He took his life. Because your life was stunting. Until God looks on you. Hold on. Your church is empty. The church is empty until God is in the heart. When God looks on a church, He has approved it. So write this down. Pure worship from your heart. Pure worship from your heart is sanctified. Worship from your heart is sanctified. What do you mean by sanctified? Use a non-biblical word for this I'm teaching by the Spirit tonight. That's it. The Spirit has God moving. Do you know what this means? Do you understand? And this will explain a lot to you about the position that worship has taken in the modern-day American church. Sanctified means this. Used solely and exclusively for the purposes of God. So, the worship that comes from him that is pure and of an upright heart can only be used for one purpose. And that is to give praise and glory and honor unto Jesus, the mediator and go-between. God and man. So do you know what this means? That if worship is only used for the purposes of God, that worship cannot be pleasing to God and pleasing to the world. So you say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a Christian artist. What I'm going to do is I'm going to appeal to Christian people and I'm going to appeal to secular people. The Bible says this that we are a peculiar people, yes. that we are a holy nation. Mm-hmm. Peculiar doesn't say that. The word peculiar simply means that we are odd. We look funny, and we look strange to the world. You know today, when people see the light of the glory of Christ Jesus upon your face, give them how you're a Christian. You know, Christians will, have you ever gone something to that person is a Christian? You find out they're a Christian? Yeah. You can't worry about that person. Yeah. There's a light of the world. You know that you've seen it a million times and a million different people, and every person you've seen it in, that person's a Christian. You can tell when someone loves God, that's the Holy Spirit. It's very distinguishable to find when someone's down, and someone's depressed. And when somebody has the spirit of Antichrist in their life, they will hate that in you. Yeah. Yes. They will. 
that you are not only killing you, they know they cannot steal that from you. So you know what they'll try to do? They'll try to persecute you for it. Yeah. Yeah. And when they see a happy Christian come along, they're not annoyed. You know what they are? They are convicted. They are jealous. They're angry. That's why people that say they're saved but they hate Christians and they never want to spend no time with Christians. How you know they're born again? They don't like Christians. I don't want to be around church people. I hate church people. Why do you hate church people? They have the inner friend. No, no, no. No, maybe the problem is you don't like the presence of God that they're carrying because that presence because you know that there's something that you're missing out on and you're convicted because what they have for you to get it, you have to change your ways and admit that you are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't want to do that. <laughs> so when worship starts coming from the Spirit from God, and Jesus starts turning his eyes towards you. When he turns his eyes towards you because you have sanctified yourself to him. When your heart is right and God turns your eyes, eyes towards you, the Holy Spirit will come along and say, let me tell you what you say to him. Let me tell you what he likes to hear. I know him. I am God. Let me tell you what the Father longs to hear from you. Let me put utterance behind your heart and give it to God. And you'll say, okay, Holy Spirit, help me. And you say, God, you're holy. You are marvelous. You are wonderful. There's nobody like you. And God will say, that is a sweet song. That is a sweet smelling savor to me. That's what I like to hear. God says, you can only reserve this for me. Nobody else. But you know what's going to happen to people? They all come. They're dampening them. They're blessing them. They're coming along and saying, you know what? It's a really nice guy. Where'd you get that at? Well, I got it in my prayer call. I got it in You know what? Fuck himself. Mm. You know, uh, that's a good sound you got here at this church. We're tracking on this church. We're trying to reach visitors at this church mm. who know nothing about Jesus. And we can't sing about that blood. Mm. Because there's a lot of understanding about that. You know, there's two perspectives in the church words in it. Wait a second. Wait a second. Is this a house of prayer and praise? Mm. Is this a house of worship? Mm. Or is this a house of the people, especially people? Mm. Well, you know, we just got to love those people. No, 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 no. We love them. It's our house. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You don't go to a Pistons game and see people wearing bulls jerseys. <laughs> Come to a Pistons game and people wearing Pistons jerseys. All the five people in that. <laughs> no one's a Pistons player. No. The house of God. We worship God. So what starts happening? Boy, I'm all off right now. Maybe you're going to that I'm not going to keep you. Let's see, what time is it? I said I had you out of it. Okay, i got a half hour. I'll let you out. Glory to God. Go with me. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God wants his house of worship. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Glory, 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 glory. The presence of God will change your life. 
I've seen people, there is a misconception in the church of Jesus Christ. I want to address this misconception. Some people believe that the most important thing in a church congregation is not true. I don't care who says that. People that say that are usually teachers. Yeah, it's not the most important thing. Paul didn't say that. There is no more important ministry gift than other ministry gifts. Look what he says. Ooh, Brother Paul, I don't need you to have to prove that. Let's prove it here by using English language and looking at different clauses inside of a sentence. Amen. That's my intellectual work at mind at work. It says in verse number 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. This verse simply means this. He's not talking to one individual. He's talking to the whole church. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you. What's that mean? It means that when you assemble yourself together, you come from all different places, the church at Colossus, meeting in the home. When you come together, you say, we go back to house churches. No, they were meeting in homes because the New Testament church wasn't allowed to acquire property for the second century. When you come together, you know, house churches, when, when someone just says, I'm going to pass the church, no accountability, you're going to go in the hands real fast, real soon. The church that come off when you guys come together, let the word of Christ dwell among you all. The word of Christ is the message concerning the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That God has come. God in three persons, that he has come as Emmanuel, God with us. He was born in a manger, wrapped in human flesh, identified, overcame the devils, all principalities and powers, was crucified, was buried, arose from the dead, and now sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you, and sent the Holy Spirit to empower you, has promised you to inherit this, adopted you into the family of God, washed you, cleansed you, forgiven you. He is on your side, making intercession for you. You have a promise laid up in store for you. Just just when you think adoption was good, just when you think righteousness is good, just when you think justification is good, He knows your name. You now have a fellowship in God. He's working all things together for your good. Even in the midst of persecution, His strength is made perfect in your weakness. They come and try to chop your head off, my God. Once you get to heaven, you'll see a glorified body that's laid up in store for you. Here, I want to thank God. No, 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 no. I want to thank Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. He is the only name under heaven given yeah, that we yeah, must be yeah. saved. Not the name of God. That can mean anything. Fails is a Greek word. That's what they use to talk about their deities. I don't mean nothing. I don't call him God. I call him Jesus. He said, let the word of God. He said, let the word of Christ. People say to me, what do you preach? I said, I'm preaching the word of Christ to him. What's the word of Christ? The word. You're just too abrasive. ISIS is also abrasive. How about that? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We don't want to stand up. Just don't go. I'm not smashing other religions, but I will stand up and say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Yeah. You can't get in without him. How about that? Well, what about you're not getting in without Jesus? That's right. And there is a hell that people will go to, and there is a heaven that people will go to. And you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. Well, you know, you're going to turn people off. I'm not saying it to turn people off. I'm straight here. I'm saying it to embolden the believers that are in this room today. I don't see people. 
people here, most of you that I know, you are Christians. I'm saying to get full with your faith in Jesus and stop hiding behind the bush and allowing the politically correct people to shut you up. Hallelujah. That's not PC. This is church. I don't want to see any of you get boxed in here. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So how do you, how is it that when the word of Christ comes in, that's the revelation of Jesus. You will not be empowered by the word of Christ. You can have the word of happiness and prosperity and God wants to do everything for you just so you'll be happy. That ain't the word of God. There is an existence of suffering in the Bible for the name of Jesus Christ. And guess what? For people that are in Iraq right now, every day is not a Friday. They get thrown out of their homes and burned up. Doesn't hold water over there. It's just American gospel. The word of Christ is this. I was talking to all this. I was listening to a podcast today. And the preacher was talking about a book called They Remain Faithful. Or Home Safety is what it was called. How Chinese people in underground church, grandpas had to watch their grandsons get shot and killed and watch their kids remain faithful to the word of Jesus. Put a gun up to them, shoot them right in front of them with a means of torture. And the kids are not turning my back on Jesus. Yes. Jesus. I have a testimony of how he saved. Yes. It's in my heart. Yes. It can be that deep for you. This is the word of Christ. This is the order of the word of God. It's a blowing. And every time me and Brother Morgan, this is the first time. Every time we get to go, we go to famous things like some of them in India. Sit down with we start talking about the things of God, presence of God called. He's telling me about this and that. I'm telling about this and that. And guess what's happening? The word of Christ is born. Yes. And this is how it happens in the New Testament. Look what he says here. Teaching and admonishing one another. Teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, the first clause. He wrote this up and I had a chocolate because this is Bible class. I would show you that the word of Christ dwells in you richly. First clause. Teaching and admonishing. So the way that the word of Christ can grow in a congregation, the number one way, the first way, doesn't mean the primary way, just the first way, is the teaching and instruction and admonishment. This is what I'm doing right now. Amen? Amen. Did I lose you guys? It's not even 820 yet. Okay, thank you, Sean. My man. My man, my good brother. Web designer. <laughs> teaching and admonishing each other. So you stand up, you give a word. But look what also it says. Singing. Second clause, singing, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. So, he says the next way that the revelation of Jesus Christ, they didn't have the New Testament back then. They didn't have the King James Version. <laughs> Someone said one time, you know, we need to get back to that old King James Version, the one Moses and the prophets had. <laughs> singing. So, He's saying sing here, but notice what he says here. Spiritual songs and hymns and songs. If you have your Bible open in Ephesians chapter 5. Are you with me tonight, church? Amen. Ephesians. Someone say Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 5. Verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. 
but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Some people preach this verse and say, you see what it said here? No wine. It didn't say no wine. It said be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Okay, let's I'm at the point where he said that worship is sanctified. When a body of believers comes together and they have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in their midst, the result should naturally be they worship God. And this worship comes in the form of songs. No, it didn't say that. It didn't say songs. It said spiritual songs. Say that with me, spiritual When there is the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of a service, this verse implies in the original language that there is a spontaneity that takes place when the believers begin to assemble themselves together. This spontaneity is usually termed the prophetic. The prophetic is what God is saying to us now. If God spoke back then, did somebody duct tape his mouth up? No. He's still speaking now. No, no, watch this. No, listen to me. Listen to me. Come on, don't check out. Don't check out. <laughs> I don't like this stuff. Tell me how it applies to me. It applies to us as believers. People say, I need a word for me. No, we need a word for us. How about that? The word of God, if he can inspire... If he takes an anointed man of God and inspires the anointed man of God to bring forth the word of God, the preacher does it through admonishing and exhortation. But the preacher is not usually the singer and the band. So what he does, the preacher gets up there, I got a word of God, I think God speaks to bam, 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 bam. He starts preaching the word of God, preaching the word of God, and people are built up. They're edified. Yes, that word is for me. But just as much as he speaks through you, do you know what he does? He finds the other priests inside of God's house who are anointed to bring forth Saul. And whatever God said to that preacher through word, you know what he does? He gives it to the other person through song. That's right. That is why inside of a church service, a live church service, a church that has really got the flow of the Holy Ghost inside of it, will have a preacher who's not just preaching canned messages, he's speaking by the Spirit. They didn't have their MacBooks back then. They didn't have our sermons online. They just had letters. He goes up there. He starts speaking. What they did was pass letters to each other in the New Testament church. Here's a, he wrote this to us. We copied it. Read it. And they read it, and they get inspiration from the Spirit. And they would divide that letter and speak what the person saying in the letter. So he gets that. You know what the ministry says? I got a song. Let me get a song. And, and it wasn't just the minister. It was anybody full of the Holy Ghost got something from God. He says, how is it, Church of Corinth, that every time, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, every time you come together, you have a song, you have a song, and there was so much spontaneity of the Spirit, Paul had to put 
traffic lights up. So people knew how to organize these gifts because the inspiration in a service was so prevalent. Or today? Here comes the service. Given that word, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit didn't give it to you. Yeah. It means that you got it from the Spirit because you're full. Yeah. That's right. And you just had to hold it. And maybe one day you get to share it. Yeah. This should be happening in the church because when the Spirit of God is moving, there is spontaneity. So write this down if you're taking notes. I'm not going to hold you much longer. When spiritual songs come forth in a church, they are sung. The early church was characterized by singing, and every generation, when there is a renewal of the Spirit, a new hymn usually breaks out. Songs that are inspired by the Spirit are the ones now that have, you know that old song by Barry White, staying power, right? <laughs> they have staying power. <coughs> a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Shout to the Lord. All the earth and the sea, power and majesty, praise to the king. Yeah. This came out of somebody's heart, inspired by God. You go to service today, you hear songs that are full of words and stuff and stuff. 400 courses, 800 melodies. Gotta put a whole chapter of a book on the screen just to read it. Nothing came from the mind of God. Something comes from God. You know what it has on it? The anointing. Give me something simple as the blood of Jesus. Washes me white as snow. Not complicated, simple. You know what starts happening? You're in your car, you're down, but the Holy Ghost comes along and says, Start singing that song. Oh, Oh, the presence of God starts getting stirred up in your Oh, the blood of Jesus. Before long, before you pull up at CVS, there's tears running down your eyes. People look at you in your car. It washes white and snow. I'll call and tell them I'm sorry. I'll be nice to my wife again. Why? He chose the foolish things to change your Why did you choose it? Because you put it in the person's heart to begin with. Anything that's released by the spirit, it could have been a woman back in 1843. 
I don't know where that song came from. I mean, I don't know. There's some old songs out there. Came out, you know what Watch this. You're going to see this happen in just a few months. The turn out one five one. Right. Have a holly jolly Christmas. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. And you just, oh my golly, have a holly. You're Christmas shopping. You see the bad. Oh, oh, the whistle's going to press. Oh, my, my Maybe this will be the year I just stay home and drink my towels away. Rocking around the Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. And finally you say, I hate this turn it off! Happy to flip the channel. Sunny night, holy night, all is calm, all right, round yon virgin. Ron, the Holy Spirit starts taking me back to the Christmas story. Hark the Herald. Glory to the Lord. The snowman couldn't put it in your heart. Just forgive your bitter, bitter spouse. From the moment you heard joy to the world, the Lord has come. And earth has seen the king. And every heart could bear it alone. Something starts to change. I mean, you know, I tune into those songs in July. They're anointed. I don't hate God. Yes, you do. That's why you persecute him. Paul hated God. When God's presence showed up, it changed. I want you to know this. You need to walk in love. But you got to walk in love. Not with just people, but with a bunch of God haters and Christ rejectors. <laughs> don't say that about people. They rejected Christ because they hate him. Jesus said, Woe unto me and all men speak good me. And if they hate you, they hate you first. And the presence of God is on those songs. Are you with me still? So when spiritual songs come forth, they're spontaneous. They arise from sudden impulse and inspiration. It comes from God. And like I said before, spiritual songs are sanctified. One more verse and I'll be done. Coming down, like my spiritual father says, coming down the home stretch. St. Corinthians 5. Someone say, Lord. Somebody say, Lord. I need your presence. Second Chronicles 5, excuse me. Second Chronicles chapter 5. Anything that we do in the Lord's or for the Lord needs to be approved. Needs to be approved. So if we're going to do something in the service of the Lord, for the service of the Lord, it has to be 
approved by God. God has to say, that pleases me. God does not approve. God does not approve what has not been consecrated. So if God rejects something because people did consecrate. God rejected the high priest and would die if they did not go through the ceremonial cleansing and purification before entering into the heavenly place. Say, why did you kill Wow, it gets out. God say, why did you kill him? Because they didn't consecrate. So we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 that verse number 1, thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. He has spent all this time building God a house, fulfillment of prophecy and promise. The new believers of Israel had received the promised land, built the tabernacle, and now they're going to put up a temple. And we went through the period of judges and David and all these things. And now God says, Solomon builds me a house. And Solomon builds God a magnificent house. But there's only one thing missing from that house God's presence. And Solomon's presence. So Solomon says, we need the presence of God to come in here. So what are we going to do? And it says that Solomon brought all the things that David, his father, had dedicated. And it says, the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. You know what it sounds like to me? Solomon fears. Verses that the Levites, who were the anointed priests, took the ball and stayed and to the loops. Can you imagine this site? A temple that would cost billions. Trump would have nothing on the temple. So much they threw out the silver and wouldn't count it. Here comes the rock of God. And in it, we have the commands of Moses. They start walking it. The Levites, victorious, they take it out of Jerusalem and they put it in the temple. They know about the story of Obedium. They know about what the presence of God is able to do. And they bring the tabernacle into the most holy place. And the Bible says that God said, I will dwell in the midst of black darkness. In other words, close the curtain and don't come back here. This is my consecrated area. So they bring it in there. But just because they have the ark, the ark is not the presence. The ark has the mercy seat, the two cherubim that are above it, guarding the presence of God because God's presence requires a patient service. All of a sudden, the voice says here. And when it came to pass when the priest when it came to pass, the priests were come out of the holy place. For all the priests that were not present were sanctified and did not then wait by course, my monitor. Also the Levites, which were the sacred. The Levites are the priests. And the priests are the singers. Wait, are you telling me that the singers, the people that carried the sound of God, were ministers, not only my friends they their ministers, they were servants and performed service to the Lord, but they were priests and ministers. 
that means the only ministers aren't the only ones. The, 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 the people that go and do hospital visits and, and preach, they're not the only ministers in the church. The singers are just as much ministers of the God. Singers in the body of Christ should be counted as ministers. And they weren't just, they didn't say, what do we need now? Worship band. My God, what are we going to do? Solomon, we got everything. We just forgot to get the guitar player. We forgot to get the banjo player. Just go out there and someone out there plays the accordion. Just go bring him. Get the, find a harpist and bring him in. No. Lives were consecrated and to bring forth the sound of the God. And it says, being arrayed in white linen, having symbols and psalms and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets. Priests? It didn't say. Dispositions? Priests? And it came to pass as the trumpeteers and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. The trumpeters and singers were as one. You had the priests, the high priest just performed Israel, then you had the musicians, and you had the singers. All making not different sounds combined as one, it was the same sound. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand for the minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. where God decides to live. You have the minister and they say, now there's a sound of inspiration that God has placed in your heart. It isn't a sound that the world gave you. It isn't a sound that came from outside of the village. It is not the sound that you heard at the wedding. It's not the sound that you heard the other people and the Gentiles. It's not the sound of the Philistines. This is the sound that God has put in his sanctified people. Now I'm saying this. God said, that's mine. You know, you talk God responds to the words of your mouth, right? How about also he responds to the sound of your heart? So if I wasn't my conviction would be because the sound is wrong. Bible says this about the Holy Ghost, just as the wind. You don't see it. 
You can't decide if it's coming from the east or the west. The only way you can do is see the evidence on the wind. So you know the wind is there. Not because you saw it. You know the wind is there because the leaves are rustling. You know the wind is there because you open up the door and the wind smacks back in your face. You know the wind is there because you hear it at winter howling through your window pane. How do you know the Holy Spirit's there if you can't see him? You somebody has a sound. A new song comes forth and the people are blessed. Watch this. God inspires words. Not even God inspires words. And God also inspires The word that God inspires belongs in the sound that God inspires. That's why when I have the worship band here, I say, listen to what I'm saying. And hear what God sounds like tonight. What does heaven sound like? Because I might be preaching a message and I'm preaching it and it's about worrying. Or it's about something that maybe I'm going to start playing this boring sound. Or I might get up there and it's joy and there's a joy sound that comes forth. This is the accompaniment between because God is more than just words. It's everything. What you cannot do is bring to the church of God an unsanctified word or a vain If the song came and was birthed out of somebody with the wrong motive or the wrong reason, it does not have the capacity to hold the inspired word of God. Because music is strictly association. Hello? So all of a sudden, you say, you know what? We want the church to get going, so I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take these words. Jesus is good. And uh, we're going to put it into Casey and the Sunshine Band so the break of time. <laughs> What's wrong with that? It's about the lyrics. No, it's not about the lyrics. When they sung their song, where was it coming from? When they got it. You don't know when that, that once a melody goes forth, it comes forth. You know what's happening? The minute you put an usher in the church and put the music behind it, people will attach to the music. And they think they're dancing to God, but they're right back to dancing the way they were dancing as well. Because the music has associated something in their mind, and they're no longer hooked on the words, they are hooked on the beat. And you'll think, well, if you're in the church, it's okay. No, 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 no. How about this? You're be in a Christian. Have a musician? Don't bring that stuff in my church. Leave it outside. What are you saying? You can't dance? You go do what you want to do. I want you, you want to take I don't have a problem. You go do that, but you know what? Don't bring it to church. Because the church is a place of worship and grace and consecration and sanctification of God. So, if you say to me, you have to have another word of you come to church. I'm not going to come up here and read you what you need to most of the show last night. Right. It's secular. I'm going to read to you on the comments. 
reason why I hear God is musicians should play by the Spirit the same way that the minister should play by the Spirit. Amen. And when that happens, when the musician and the minister agree, we are going to be more sanctified. And the leadership says, we are going to be more sanctified. You know what's not happening? God will start to be the inhabitation of His people. And the Word of Christ start dwelling in people's midst. Revelation now that comes forth out of that. Reveal now power, access into God's mind starts coming forth. You start feeling a fresh force about your relationship with God. You start wanting to win souls. You start wanting to live by the Spirit. You start wanting to do the things for the kingdom of God. Why? Because behind it, behind your inspiration, comes the word of God, comes the sound of God, and God says, I will be in the midst of my people. Amen. And the world will say, those people in that church, they're our people. And you say, I know, peculiar sound, peculiar word. But you know what? It's not what you come to God. When you depend upon the inspiration of the Spirit, it forces you to live right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It forces you to live right. Yeah. You're not going to give inspiration from God. Because inspiration, when God gives it to you, is Him honoring you. Yeah. I believe we're going to be a people of worship. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.